To another episode of the Talking Shop Podcast. I am Josh from Grand Slam Cards in Rock Hill, along with Michael at Medium Rare Cards over on Instagram. It's Cobbs behind the scenes, as usual. We are back on a normal podcast night, at least when we're recording this. So uh, the last couple podcasts have been a little, uh, what would you say? off schedule that's okay it happens. kind of back on schedule now so we, we are, are here we're ready to talk shop talk about what's going on in the industry and at the shop and uh michael's gonna give us the rundown on what to absolutely expect. so big big show for you today um as josh said that we're getting back on schedule uh we're gonna start with the opening rip where josh is gonna recap what could probably be like a mini national it's an enormous show in nashville i can't wait to hear about that uh then we're going to uh, find out what's hitting the shelves uh at the shop this week uh it's a light week sports wise but for tcg it's it's a it's a pretty big uh release week we're going to jump behind the counter talk about mlb playoffs um these first stitch cards uh that are going to be in tops chrome update uh, and then we're going to talk a little basketball. Uh, that's not my forte, but certainly uh, it's something that I think is relevant to the hobby. We've got a few listener questions, and including a question from me that I'm hoping Josh can help me out with. Ooh. And then um, cards from the vault or hits from the shop. And then, as usual, crazy stats of the week. But first, the opening rip, Josh. How was the Nashville show, man? So, it was good. Um, it's been a while since I've been there. It's grown a ton since I've been there. Um, it's a big show now. And for example, here's what they call it. The National. Yes. Because <clears throat> it's big. This, uh, outside of the National, the biggest card show I've been to, because I don't go to the Dallas one or haven't been yet to that one or Atlanta or anywhere, but... Um, Apparently 800 tables. That's what the guy told us when we were setting up. Um, Beckett was there. Um, who were some of the other big groups? Com C was there. Uh, Whatnot was doing some free food, providing some free food there. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna feel bad because I'm gonna leave out some of the big guys that were there, and it's not on here. But uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, sports card investor was there. He was walking around and, and filming his stuff and talking to people. Um, yeah, all the all the big hobby shops from around the country, for the most part, were there. Um, and it was a good time. So here's the thing with a 800-table card show. Nice. 800 tables. You need a lot of customers yeah. or else there's just not enough customers to go around for all the dealers. And it felt like the traffic was a little low. And again, I haven't been to the Nationals since they've done it in this fairgrounds, this new monstrous building. And so uh, I didn't know what to expect completely, but there was no doubt a ton of people came through, but it still felt like too much competition, too many Mm -hmm. dealers. And I I would, you feel, you feel, um, lucky or fortunate when someone buys a card or two from your case. Cause, and then I think like, why would they choose to buy a card from my case and not one of the other 800 cases here in the building? So, um, when, 
there's a huge building and then there's a second wing. And some people said, you know, if they closed off that second wing and brought all those customers into the main area, then it gets a little more crowded, but I think everybody does a lot better. You yeah. take it maybe 800 tables down to 500 tables, still a really big show, but you can outgrow your show really quickly by saying, you know what? We did 500 tables. We do really good. Great turnout. The dealers kill it. Next time we're going to open up the wing and do 800. Well, yeah. if you're still getting the same amount of customers through, it's really a detriment to the dealers. Um, so that's my take on it. The, the rumblings from around everyone else was like, man, this is kind of a, a, a slower turnout. But it only, I'm telling you, the hobby's alive and well. It only felt that way because there were just so many dealers spread out that the area was just so big. So we did well. The gentleman I went with did well. Um, I didn't take a whole lot of stuff. It was kind of last minute. I'll go bring some stuff, hang out and set up. And uh, yeah, so I've yet to do a show ever where I haven't made money. Make your table money back, cover your expenses and make some money. So uh, definitely pleased I went. What was the biggest, did you get, so let me ask you this. Were you pinned to the table most of the time because you didn't have the team with you? Uh, were you able to walk around a bit? So I was pinned to the table mainly because I was really trying to not spend. <laughs> and, uh, and I know when I get out there and start, because because I didn't bring very much stuff and it was traffic to me was really low because I was just so small compared to everyone else. I could have put a sheet over my showcases and spent a couple hours looking around. Yeah. Um, so I, I did that for a little bit. I bought one really cool Brady card that I like. Um, I don't have hits from the shop queued up. So I'll show off that Brady card that I got. Um, I was, we were back to back with Nash cards. And so, okay. yeah, I got to spend a bunch of time talking to the guy, one of the employees there that works full time at Nash cards. And so we got along really good and uh, I was able to turn around and just buy a case of cards off of them and just stuck it aside and bring it back to the shop, you know, cause they were doing some show specials and yeah, inventory. I knew we were selling out of this weekend off the shelf. So I did, if you count that, I bought a good bit of stuff cause I, I bought some sealed product for the store. Um, but I didn't do much Brady shopping. I saw, uh, it's cobble like this one, the kaboom with the rock where he's going like this, you know, yes. uh, I saw that one. And I was like, Ooh, I would really like to own that. But, price tag was a thousand bucks. And then one Brady kaboom that I don't own that I really want to own. Uh, it guy was at a thousand bucks on that one and the price was fair. It was just like, I need to get back to my table before I talk myself into buying this. So, <laughs> so uh, traffic wise, the traffic you did see the folks that were stopping at the tables, is it still just all football or did you see it pick up for some other sort of sports? I definitely sold, even me, the mix I sold was baseball, football, basketball with football okay. being just a little bit of the leader. Um, yeah, I think football is just king right now. But again, yeah. if it's the right card at the right price, your basketball and baseball stuff will um, still sell well. I did take Garrett. Garrett, I don't know, him and George watched the, the podcast. I took a bunch of cards of Garrett's and set them out there and they're mostly soccer. And unfortunately I didn't have much luck or much, even many lookers at that. So, um, Interesting. the way they did the show, let's see if it's, if I show it on here. So on Thursday, they don't show it here, but it's so on Thursday, the show ends at six and then they do a trade night that evening. So one of the local card, not local card shops, one of the big card shops puts on a trade night in one of the wings. And so they close off the main area where all the tables are so that nothing gets stolen and customers can't come through and everyone can go home. And they do a, a big trade night. Uh, they did that Friday night and Saturday night because it's a three-day show. So I didn't go to that. By the time we were done, we were ready to go get something to eat and go back to the hotel and crash. But um, I thought that was pretty cool. You know, they did yeah. a... a trade night at the end of each night. And I'm sure there was a ton of stuff going on for that. And um, we didn't stay for Sunday cause we had an eight hour drive back that yeah, Saturday night. So, so, um, so more importantly, you're in Nashville, 
Music City USA, known for some great food. Did you guys did you guys hunt for some Nashville food? Some maybe some think, Nashville. I didn't hot think wings? we were talk about this. So Friday, we just ate food there at the venue because they actually had some pretty good yeah. concessions there. Um, Saturday, it was our no. I take that back. We got in Thursday, Friday night. We decided that would be our one night. We we're going to go out. And there's a steakhouse called Darfons. I don't know if mm. you've ever heard of it. No. I've had a lot of steak in my life. Uh-oh. This was the best steak I have ever eaten. Darfons. It was, um, I had the filet mignon and you could cut it and I had it medium, medium well. So that's not, you know, some people are like, well, yeah, that's so you ruined it. Yeah. And, and I always, hopefully they, they, on the more of the medium side for sure. Right. I could cut it with a fork. Oh yeah. It was that tender. It was so good. Shout out to Darfons. Darfons. It was, it was good. And funny story. It's an, they say it's an hour wait and we've done this with my wife and kids. It's like, all right, we're, we're not going to wait an hour. By the time we go to six different restaurants and it's all 30 minute waits. And then we end up getting to a place where we can eat. It's been an hour. So we're like, let's just get on the list and be patient. So we're like, oh, we needed some sticky notes and some um, pricing stuff up at Walgreens. So we just walked up the streets of Nashville to Walgreens, got our things that we needed. As we're walking back there in the grass, was a $20 bill. I never find money. So that, that paid for what? Half of my steak. (laughs) (laughs) No, we just use it as a good tip. Nice. Nice. Well, good food, good, good cards. Uh, would you go, would you go back? And if you would go, if you do go back, would you bring a, like an entourage? Is this entourage worthy? Yes. So I, uh, the next show, if you, you can see here, maybe I'll see if I can do it. So there's one in March, okay. another in July, and then it, they do one in October. So, um, I tentatively told the promoter, I would like to do like six tables in March and really do it right. Bring up, bring up a crew. Yeah, for sure. That's, that's probably the goal. So, um, it's not as easy to just call up and say, I want six tables, set me up. I want them in a square, whatever. Yeah. You don't all the shots as easily as you think. And you might say, sorry, man, I'm already got everything booked. I can get you two or something like that. But we kind of put a bug in his ear that we were going to reach out and, and ask for some more tables next time. So stay tuned. We'll find out about that. Well, on a more local level, there is one show this weekend. Well, actually, before I go to that, there was also the Hickory show. I heard, I didn't hear anything about the Hickory show. I saw a couple photos online. Did anybody mention anything to you about the Hickory show? And if you guys are listening to this, uh, just drop it in the comments. If you went to the Hickory show, if you couldn't make it the trip all the way to Nashville, made the Hickory show, let us know how that was. Did you hear anything, Josh? I didn't. I know a couple of people that went to it and I probably need to talk. I just haven't talked to them since I've been back. I am curious how, you know, it's always a pretty good show. I had, First show I ever did in Hickory, so it has a soft spot in my heart. I haven't done a Hickory show in three years, probably plus. And so I desperately, we want to get back to that one here pretty soon. Um, and then we we're going to talk about the the one day Sunday show coming up in Rock Hill. It's yeah, this weekend. A- yeah, this weekend was, uh, we've, we had, we had two local shows, local-ish. Uh, about 45 minutes away from Charlotte is Salisbury. And so James is having a big show there. I think that one's at the the mall. I think you've been to that one. Um, I've set up at that one. That's usually a pretty good show. And there was supposed to be one in Rock Hill on Sunday. But Josh, you've got a little bit of news around that one. Yeah. So I was notified um, by one of the guys here that had, because we had set up at it. So they had let the guys that, handle that stuff for me know that um the show was going to be canceled kind of last minute which is a little strange i've never i've never had that happen before so it was going to be i guess at the the newer american legion building here in rock hill um kind of at least since i've owned the shop first time of a notable show in rock hill yeah. um, outside of our trade night at the gym um 
This was a, a one-day Sunday show at the American Legion, and it has been canceled and rumored to be maybe just postponed until January 2024, which is three or four months away. So I don't know anything other than that. The rumor is staffing issues was the reason, um, but we'll talk more about it as I as the day comes and goes. We'll get some news on it, probably some rumors and uh and maybe the next podcast will have something more definitive, but it was odd. I've, for the first time I got that text message. I was like, mm-hmm. that's very interesting. I've never had a show get canceled that last minute. Yeah. Well, hopefully things work out to where we do have another one in Rock Hill. The more the merrier there. Uh, we and, love our, we love, we love our card night, but more shows yeah. uh, in the area, the, the, the yeah. more um, activity for all the collectors and the dealers. So I haven't told you this, so you can give me your opinion. Uh, So next card night, we really got to get one scheduled and we've just had a hard time because everything's been so busy every weekend. So obviously we're going to probably target um, November sometime, right? Because it's too late in October. We've had the thought submitted to us. What about Friday night? What about Friday night? Huh? I would love a Friday night show. Yeah. I, everyone just got to thinking that it doesn't interfere with some of the Saturday football. Um, and I was like, you know, I, I think we've never done it on Friday because typically we would do trade night at the shop and that's when we do Pokemon right. and Saturday's always been open. And so I would like to maybe in November, it would have to be either the third, which is probably too soon, maybe the 17th. I think we should pencil in. November 17th for the next card night. That's literally one month away. Gives us time to promote it. The next one is, that's like Thanksgiving Friday, right? That's Black Friday. That would probably not be a very good turnout. Right. So (laughs) we'll pencil in the 17th if you're listening or watching for local Grand Slam card night at the gym. Um and we'll be more definitive here. How about in the next day or two? We can check with the wise, check with the employees and see if we can do it. But tentatively schedule that in your calendars, everyone. November 17th. You heard that here. November 17th, the next card night. More details pending. But let's talk about what's hitting the shelves at Grand Slam this week, Josh. All right. So. Since the last podcast, we've had a few things released and get the results. I don't know if we talked about it. Tops update 2023 baseball is on the shelves here. Um, Gold Standard football came out Friday. Gold Standard's on the shelves. Um, we've gotten a few random odds and ends filling products on the Magic the Gathering side. The Doctor Who collaboration took place. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that product is on the shelf now. It came out Friday, I believe, as well. So if you're a Magic the Gathering fan or a Doctor Who fan or a fan of both, we have that product on the shelf. Um, coming this week, I told you I should have I have it pulled up here. So um, I'm not getting this, but I think it's uh, wise for us to at least talk about it. The 23 Topps Chrome McDonald's All-American Basketball. Um I'm not getting it. I'm only not getting it because it did not do very well last year. So for us, we can spend that money elsewhere and and take care of the customer better that way probably. Um, but Wednesday Tops Gilded Collection Baseball, that's a nice premium higher-end baseball product. Uh, the same day, we have a lower-end product that we actually sell really well. People like it. Tops Pro Debut, 2023 Tops Pro Debut. That launches Wednesday. Um that it's it's kind of a light week Friday. There's not much on the sports side, um, but there is some stuff on the gaming side. Yu-Gi-Oh has a booster product called the Age of Overlord. That launches Friday. We're a sanctioned store, so we can sell it Thursday. Hint, hint. So if you're in town Thursday and want some, we've got it. Um, and then Pokemon has a Charizard EX premium collection box that comes out Friday. We will have that. And then it is that time once a quarter again. This is a huge time for us. The new Pokemon set. This one is Scarlet and Violet. Um, Paradox Rift is the name of this set. And that 
doesn't come out until November 3rd, we can start selling pre-release tournaments uh, or start running pre-release tournaments for that product starting this Friday at midnight. And then we're going to do, for those that don't want to come get it at midnight, I don't blame you, um, Saturday at 1 p.m. we'll do another Pokemon tournament for Paradox Rift. So you don't have to play. You don't have to even know how to play. If you just want to get your hands on Pokemon Paradox Rift product, it's just the booster packs out of the build and battle kits until the product comes out. But you can just come and buy that and say, I'm going to forfeit the tournament and have a nice night. So um, that's what is on the shelves and what is hitting the shelves this week. Oh, and it's about to say, product. you can't forget about this. This is a cool product. Yeah, it really is. I, I think I hit a home run with this product. So these are Grand Slam booster bundles. We call them mega booster bundles because it's like a regular booster bundle that Pokemon makes, but it's on steroids. We make these on our own. So we take 15 random sleeve booster packs um, and we put them in these uh, custom boxes that we made. And well, I didn't make the boxes. I ordered the boxes. The box company made them, but I made sure to get blue ones and I put our sticker on them. Uh, so we just put those out on the shelf. I sold four today um, and I haven't even really advertised them. And one of the kids opened his here in the shop and I said, hey, every time you get a hit, put it onto the side. I'm going to take a picture afterwards and see how you do. And uh, he got six or seven hits out of one of these things. And so 40 bucks is kind of a magic price. It's what the elite trainer boxes typically go for. Yeah. If you're just after opening Pokemon packs, Come check this box out. We're going to have them in stock all the time because I ordered a whole bunch of those blue boxes. We got plenty of packs to fill them with. So you will not be disappointed. That is my Pokemon guarantee. Fantastic. Hey, guys. Don't sleep on that Topps Pro Debut Baseball. I, you know, it. I think it's just because it's like Topps Heritage Minor League. The guys are in their minor league uniforms uh, for this product. But I was telling Josh in the pregame, I'm, you know, I saw that it was it was coming out. I reached deep into the archives of some boxes that I had in my closet and was looking through it and found a numbered Ellie Dele Cruz, a numbered Corbin Carroll. Uh, there are autographs in this product. Oh, yeah. um, and I, uh, I it's one of those things. You just put them, you put it away, you forget about it, and then you go back a couple of years later and you see some of these guys in the major leagues. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. And I guarantee you, like, I remember we had a kid interning for me, uh, like four years ago or something. And this, this obviously is not good. Now the player he pulled, but his last day of interning for the summer, uh, we gave him a tops pro debut hobby box as his going away gift. As he was going off to college, he opened it up, hit a Wander Franco auto out of it at oh the time. God. That was the prospect that everyone was touting, you know, yeah. and so like that was kind of the chaser in that product. So he was super stoked to hit that. Obviously, he sold it long before we've gotten to today's news. But um, those are the types of guys you can probably go back in that product and find all the future stars, all the big stars. If they're playing now, they probably have autographs in pro debut. So Absolutely. might have to just sit on it for a little bit. But All right, let's jump behind the counter, Jacob. All right, it's time to jump behind the counter. We're going to cover a couple hobby news things, but the first one we're going to talk about is is my Braves have been eliminated, along with the Dodgers, along with uh, the darlings of the league, the Orioles. Josh, what are your thoughts about the fact that most of the teams that were going in as favorites have now been eliminated uh and um, we're left with a bunch of really cool storylines but they're all underdogs good or bad yeah. for the hobby what are your thoughts it's 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 more bad for the hobby y you need a cunha and those guys having big but you know the diamondbacks are still in it right the diamondbacks are in i mean it. so you know what if corbin carroll just tears it up the rest of the year and you know that's good for the hobby. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Like the the Braves, the Orioles, 
um, I mean, like all the teams that were that had like that five day buy because of the wild card round. Yep, I believe all of them lost except Houston. And so I don't know if this is just a thing or the teams like Texas and Philly, they just, and Arizona, they just got hot at the right time. And they used that wild card round as like momentum to get into deeper into the playoffs. But man, I was, I was shocked, but not surprised because Philly seems to have Atlanta's number right now. But, you know, I, I look, I look at the Astros. Anytime the Astros go deep into the playoffs, I always think, well, that's not, not really good for the hobby just because they still have that stigma. But, you know, Texas and, um, and Arizona are just loaded with really cool rookies. And then you've got this veteran, this veteran core with Trey Turner and Schwarber, your guy Schwarber and Harper sort of anchoring Philly. But I, I think I have to agree with you for the hobby. It would have been, man, I don't know about the twins, but man, the Orioles getting to yeah, uh, the that finals would have been real sexy. Uh, I don't mind Arizona, but... Ah, I found man, the stat. But Acuna, Acuna getting to the World Series would have been great. Yeah, so here was the stat I was looking for that goes along with this. The teams with the five be- best records in the regular season... Uh, are one in twelve at this point in the tw- uh, in the postseason. So, yeah, yeah this was before the Ra- had the Rays and Brewers. They were zero and two at the time of this stat. So, Orioles were out at zero and three. Braves are out. Oh man, this has them when they were one and two. So, yeah, but the five best records in all of MLB at that point where this stat came out were one in twelve. Yeah. So, to your point, yeah, Schwarber, you know, those guys, it's one thing. Schwarber cards aren't going to do anything. Might be a little little bump in Harper stuff because the, the hobby likes Harper a little bit. And so, yeah. but man, it, had the Orioles been able to do something? Yeah, it would have been crazy. Who are you? If you had to, if you, if you could choose who would win, who are you picking? Not who you think would, or you could choose who wins out of who's left. For the hobby, uh, it would be a Cinderella story if Corbin Carroll gets to the World Series and somehow is the MVP of the World Series for yeah. the hobby. Uh, his stuff is crazy anyway, but th- that would be amazing. Uh, my heart is wanting um, wanting the Phillies to win just because they knocked out my Braves. So I'm like, well, in my mind... If they win, if the Braves would have beat them, then they would have won the World Series. I'm just, yeah. I'm dumb like that. So, how about you? You are, you are dumb like that. But no, <laughs> my answer is exactly the same as yours. I think it would be really cool to see Corbin Carroll and the Diamondbacks win, and I would really jack his stuff up and shine a spotlight on his rookie stuff, and then, and kind of solidify him as kind of a, a nice chaser in the sport. But I'm, you know, I'm a Schwarber guy, so I'd love to see Schwarber win a ring. And I have no love for Bryce Harper. I I'm either way on him. I, I got nothing against him, but um, he's he's decent for the hobby for sure. Yeah. And don't sleep on Trey Turner. He had a miserable season Go up until two months ago. The Phillies fans rallied around him, gave him some standing ovation, and it has like propelled him into yeah. the last two months of the year uh, of the season. And he's continuing. He had a home run against the Braves. I mean, so. Uh, I've always liked Trey Turner. Uh, it'd be nice to see. It'd be nice to see him and 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 Harper do the. Uh, did he? I guess he he was with. Does he have a championship with the Nationals? I think he does. I think he does. Yeah. Um, I did. I don't have that stat, and it would take me an hour to find it. But there was a stat about his his statistics after the standing ovation from the crowd. It That's was nice. like night and day difference from before that, where he was struggling. So bananas. Um, The next thing I do want to bring up is, Josh, have you seen this first Stitch card that's coming out of Topps Chrome update? I've only only heard about it. So, and you're more knowledgeable on that part of it. Jacob, can you throw that on the screen? 
So uh, introducing first stitch cards. If you guys are watching this, then you can see there's a Trey Turner there. And then if you can, can you scroll? Does that allow you to swipe? Yeah, there you, there you go. So this is uh, the big rookies here, Anthony Volpe. Um, and I don't know if this is the same thing as the MLB debut patch, but if it is, this is the, the now we get the equivalent to the true RPA that we see in like national treasures or so they're saying they're saying these patches are from that player's first ever MLB jersey. Guys in the comments, correct me if I'm wrong. I am this is what I'm thinking this is. Well, I mean, that tops stating it right there. The MLB authenticated patch contained in these cards is a piece of the player's first ever manufactured jersey. Manufactured jersey. It's their manufactured jersey. It's not their first game worn jersey. I think that's a different want, thing. What is a first ever manufactured jersey? The first ever jersey they made for that player? That's the way it, I read that's the way I read it too, but that doesn't mean it's been game worn. Like, uh, like, correct me if Why I'm wrong. You? That that arp that true RPA that is from that's game worn, out of national treasures and flawless. Correct. Uh, we'll ooh. have to do a little bit of research on that. But, yeah. So, but theirs doesn't say. So you're saying just because it's their first ever manufactured jersey doesn't mean it's game worn is that because the first jersey they made they gave it to him and the dude rode the rode the pine didn't oh, get I don't, game? I don't know i'm i think i'm getting confused with this and the mlb first mlb debut patch jacob can you look that up real quick mlb debut patch i think i'm getting those confused but anyway this is apparently the chase part of the chase in tops chrome update that's that's usually a late november december release but yeah that's part of that checklist super exciting even though it may not be that mlb patch i'm talking about but hopefully jacob can find some more details behind that here we go there we go Let's see. It, opening day. That's not going to be in Tops opening day. They're they're not making that anymore. Opening day. Every player making their major league debut will wear an MLB debut patch on the uniform. That patch will then be added to Tops trading cards, creating the ultimate rookie card. Wow. Well, there yeah, you go. So this is different. This is different. That's different. And I would like to know what product those are going to be in. Because when I first heard that a long while back, mm -hmm. how old is that, Jacob, that tweet? I feel like that was for like top pro debuters or for opening day product, right? No, I would think that this right here is tailor-made for Topps Dynasty like a ultra high end ultra premium. That's why I was a little shocked and and apparently I was confused as well that I thought this is what was coming out in Tops Chrome uh update, but it is not. The Tops Chrome update that's a different patch. This was this was going to be I think this is going to be one of their coming out of the high end product like uh like debut But either way, pretty cool having a baseball uh, equivalent to an RPA that we see in basketball and football. You know, if you took 10 minutes to do some research and read it's the like checklist. I've never, <laughs> it's like I've never done a podcast episode. You're wasting yeah. not only our time, but your time. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> You'll never live that comment down. <laughs> All right. Let's move off to something that we even know less about then Topps products is the NBA. So Jacob, <laughs> if you could pull up the NBA odds to win the championship, it looks like the Nuggets are favored again. Followed by the Celtics, the Bucks, the Suns, 
and wow, the Lakers, which is a little surprising mm. to me. But you know, what are your thoughts on this? Am I a mark because I think the Bucks are going to be really hard to? You get Giannis, and then you add Lillard. You got inside. You got outside. You got. I mean, that's just the idea of it. Sounds hard to beat, but we all know that on paper. This game is not pay, played on paper. How yeah. many teams have looked amazing on paper and just bombed? So, you know, with Luca, it was always that they just need that one more game changer on there, the Kyrie experiment, and that just goes to show you that there's so much, so much needed when it comes to chemistry yeah. and fit. Um, but if that fits well, it's going to be hard to beat the Bucks, right? I would think. And- Absolutely. I think it would be very ironical um, if if the Suns win it after Chris Paul leaves them, and they end up getting think putting things together and winning the championship. So I am That's one of those where, like, if Chris yeah. Paul goes to the Warriors, it's just like, man, just one more strong piece. But is yeah. it maybe just gonna screw up the chemistry or something? I hope not. It would be cool. Yeah, I think I, I'm picking the. I'm, I'm hoping I'm not picking. I'm hoping that the Suns Suns do it. I like Devin Booker. I like his style of play, um, and so hopefully they they win. And on a similar yet different note, Wimby supposedly is looking really good too, which is a good thing. Good sign. Where, where are the watching. scroll down? Where are the where are the Spurs on here? Probably not super far down. Oh wow, they are. Yeah, they are plus two thousand. They are down twenty plus twenty thousand. And if you go even further down, our local team. Ouch. The Hornets. Ouch. So this is this is as of June sixteenth. So there's probably this has probably been shaken up a little bit. Ah, uh, th- yeah, that probably uh, has been shaken up a good bit, right? Because there's been some big moves, isn't the. Lillard move after that? Yes, actually. Yeah. Actually, so this uh, list really serves very little purpose to us. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone watching is going to be like, that list like, is yep. way off now. Yep. This is why Take we don't ten. go to Talking Shop for NBA news. <laughs> Take don't 10 do minutes it. and do some NBA research. I did. I, I Googled. That was the first. I didn't, I didn't scroll yeah. down any. On the Google search, but I did Google that. I did. Great, I promise you. great, 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 googly moogly. <laughs> Jeez, let's let's put a pin in that segment and go to listener questions. Come on, let's do this. Listener questions. Michael's Michael's microphone. Time encounter. Oh, got some listener questions. And before we bring these up, I have a question for you, Josh. And this is a cautionary tale on grading. Now, don't don't hate me, my friend. I do do personal submissions straight to PSA. Are you I already hate you. Yeah. Okay. Well, my membership lapsed October 1. Good. I sent my cards in in the middle of September. I can't access my account. Well, this is all the more reason to submit through Grand Slam grading. Lesson learned. But do do you know what, I mean, do I need to fire up another membership to be able to get my cards back? Um, PSA, if you're listening. No, if I had to guess, I would guess your cards will make their way through the system and come back to you just without you being able to access the information. That would be my guess because they can't just keep your cards until you re-up, right? That's all you have to technically do is re-up. Yeah, but I got you. Why do I need to re-up? You're not wrong, and I wouldn't, but... I would guess that would be the case. They'll work their way just through the system and make their way back to you. And Yeah, because I sent them in while I had a membership. Right. So they're in the system. Yeah. And, I, they're, like, and they're like Lorcana cards. So I'm itching to get if these. You're going to hear me say it again. 
PSA is a horrible company and I hate them, but I send all my cards there because <laughs> they're king. And as long as they're king and can fetch the best resale price for me, I'm going to continue to use them. But being a submitter, we see some of the crap that they do and the inconsistency and the horrible service. And they're only surviving because their cards outsell the competition by a lot. So, yes. all right. Maybe well, it won't okay. be that way forever, but. Uh, We'll see if I get my Lorcana graded cards back. If I don't, I'm going to have you call them. Raise a stink. I'll say this is Josh. I don't even have to tell him the last name. Don't you know who I am? All right. First question. Put that up there for us, Jacob, if you would. Hey, guys, I'm new to collecting, and I just inherited a bunch of cards from my grandparents. Congratulations. Should I get them graded, or is it better to sell them as is for now? Well, if your grandparents are 48 years old, throw all the cards away because they're going to be 90s cards. But <laughs> chances are your grandparents aren't in their 40s. So, uh, yeah. But... The answer to that is the answer to everyone when they ask if they should sell their cards raw or sell their cards graded. It depends on the cards. Depend depends on the condition of the cards, how they sell. If they're grandparents, you start to think this could be some really good yeah. vintage stuff, then definitely, definitely grade. Yeah. Because even if that Mickey Mantle card has a crease down it, you still need it graded. It authenticates it. And it tells people the exact price of what this card is. There's just no getting around a Mickey Mantle PSA three sells for this all day, every day. A four brings this, a two brings this. If, if yours is a three, it sells for this. There's not much haggling that needs to take place. So for vintage, that's my take on it. Vin bigger name vintage cards. You just grade them and they're just easier to sell. And then, you know, if it is 80s, 90s stuff, you know, it's got to be in really good shape. You know, people will look at a 90s insert card and see a, a 10 sold for $1,200. Yeah. Well, the nine of that card sells for 40 bucks, you know, or a hundred bucks. It's a huge difference. So for this question, there's too many variables. You got to know what cards they are as a whole, but, uh, and you got to be careful who you ask, because if you ask a card shop, should I grade all these cards or should I just sell them as is? The card shop's going to say, sell them as is and sell them to us. Right. You know, you're going to get more form graded, but you're also going to invest a lot of money in grading them. So your yeah. thoughts. Yeah, I think, I think number one, congratulations. This is kind of cool. It's uh it's a way to connect with your grandparents, I think. Um, and I, for me, I would pull out the cards that number one means something. Like if there, if this was a thing between you and your grandparents, if there were games that you guys watched, if there were stories around some of the cards, pull those out. And as Josh said, if they're in decent shape or even if they're not, they mean something to you. You want to keep them in great shape, grade them. But if you are like, I have zero connection to these cards, they're actually giving this to me so that I could sell them and monetize it. Yeah, bring them to a shop or a collection or a collector that you trust. Uh, have them appraise them for you. Um, and then, Or if you hated your grandparents, just sell them for dirt cheap to me out of spite. Just kidding. <laughs> you can edit that out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> There's no way. There's no you way could, I'm editing that out. <laughs> or I was thinking uh, you could burn the cards and mix the ashes with your grandparents' ashes and then put them up on the mantle. <laughs> that is something I might edit out. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. I'll let you decide. I've been in the game for a while now and have a bunch of lore and mid-end cards any tips on how to transition to acquiring high-end cards without breaking the bank let me let me jump on this one first and then you can give your take on this for everybody out there wanting to get into the high end this may there 
this may be the best time ever to possibly get into some high-end cards now of now high-end cards of prospects eh, you may want to take a beat but high-end cards of like all-time greats and goats if there's a card out there that you're wanting to consolidate these lower end cards and mid end cards and get a big bankroll going so that you can make a a cash offer on uh, a hall of famer um autograph that that you're going after this is this may be the time time to do it i don't know that's just my take uh yeah this Definitely could be the time to do it, but that's not what they asked. They asked, how do I do it? Or is this a good way to do it? And I've got an idea. Because I saw this happen at the card show in the Na- in Nashville that I was just at. The person I was set up with had boxes and boxes of low-end and mid-end cards, jersey cards, autos, numbered stuff. And he... $10 and $20 and $8 his way to thousands of dollars at Nashville. And so it's tiring, but you're there to you're there for two days to sell cards. And so you just hunker down and do it. But um, you know, the, the quick way to do it, someone came through and bought, said this four row box of Jersey cards, I want to buy the whole thing. What would you sell it for? And he said, how about a dollar a piece? And they counted it up and it was 600 Jersey cards for, and he said, 600 bucks, then you'll sell them all to me for 600 bucks. He said, yep, that's fine. And it was, you know, some of it was Jorge Posada Jersey card. And some of it was, you know, Julio Rodriguez Jersey card that not, not numbered or anything, you know, so all of a sudden he's got 600 bucks. Now you go shop for some high end seven hundred dollar graded rookie card and you trade your six hundred you, you say will you take six hundred cash for it? i mean there you just turned a box of one dollar jersey cards into a high-end seven hundred dollar card that's a thought and i only say that because i watched that happen at the card show all day long and is that something you would ever do as a tom brady collector like sell all your collection to go after one huge Tom Brady card, or do you just, or do you enjoy having a lot of? I Tom enjoy Brady having the the big collection of it. I would trade the entire collection for one large sum of money and keep that. But, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, that's the goal. One day, probably not anytime soon, but right. Yeah. When people sell me a Brady at a good price, because, you know, yeah, Josh, I'll give you a good price on it because I know you're not going to flip it um, or sell it. I say, thank you. I mean, I am going to sell it one day. So um, I appreciate the deal. I don't want to be dishonest, but one day, one day it'll all go. But yeah, I mean, but I would love to sell 600 of his low end cards for one nice $700 cash card for a nice you know high-end card of his i would love to do that but interesting all right hopefully that helps that's a good idea i mean it really does work it takes some effort and it takes some work but you you're gonna have to turn all those cards that'll take you forever to sell one at a time you're gonna have to go to a big show where the traffic is heavy and have them priced aggressively or go shop them around to these dealers they buy them at a dollar a piece and then go auction them off and get $2, $3, $4, $1, $0.80, $5. And they probably double or triple their money. It just takes a long time to do it. So, All right, last question. I'm looking at a card with minor damage, like a soft corner. How much should I adjust my offer for such condition issues when negotiating with the seller? I mean... What does it hurt to lowball them? You know, you lowball them and let them counter offer. That's what that's what's going to happen. So, like, okay, let's let's put some real numbers around this. Let's just say a raw card of X player sells for 
$50. And you find that raw card in his showcase. And you're like, Mr. Dealer, do you mind if I take a look at this? And you notice on the back, there's a, it's a soft corner, a little whitening. Um, and he's got a, he's got $50 on it because it's that, that's what that card trades for. You see the blemish. What do you say? Is it, is it 50% off? Because this is my thought, right? I'm looking to buy, if I'm looking to buy a $50 raw card, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that card has a chance to gem. And that's part of the $50 value to me. So, and if I see that soft corner, I'm like, mm. I, normally I just walk away. I don't even, I don't even make an offer, but what, well, the, on the, the dealer card, side of things, what do you, card, make, what, what do you do? Card pricing is always one of the biggest factors in the price of a card is its condition. Yeah. So if a card is a PSA eight and it sells for $50 and a PSA nine is a hundred dollars, and a PSA 10 is $300. The guy has it for 50 bucks raw in the case. That's what it goes for raw. But if you look at that card and said, I'm going to send this card to get great. If, if I were to get this card graded, it ain't an eight. I mm. cannot pay raw eight or PSA eight. So if it's a six or a seven type of corner damage, then you're like, look, on a $50 card that grades a six or a seven, I'll give you 20 bucks for it because it that's as high as it's going to be. This corner's pretty smoked. But if it's just a little white corner that would make that card an eight, then I think he's justified in his $50 price. And then you just wiggle a few bucks, 45 bucks, because it's you know probably going to be an eight if you grade it. You know, and again, it all depends on what that dealer has into that card, you know. That, that plays into it sometimes as well when you're negotiating. But uh, if it's still pristine, like the card is immaculate and it's got one little white corner, you know, the dealer could say, look, if you were to grade this, it's a nine all day. And if you get some idiot grading it, maybe it's a 10, but it's probably a nine. Worst case, it's an eight. I got to stay firm at the 50, you know? So there's some of that too. I've had dealers that'll say, look, Oh, here's what was funny. I had someone getting a card from me that I had 150 on at the show and said, you know, would you do, would you do 110? I was like, I can't go that low. I was like, what about 140? That's a little bit of a discount. And he's like, how about 120? Cause I'm going to go put it on my, my table and get 130 for it. And I was like, well, when you get the guy that's ready to pay 130 for it, just send him over to my table. I'll sell it to him, you know. And then we laughed. And <laughs> it's like it's like he was wanting to buy a yeah. $150 card for 110, put it at his table and sell it for 130. Right. Well, you're buying from a guy that's trying to do the exact same thing. So I'm like, let's meet in the middle, 120. You can make 10 bucks on it. I get a guaranteed sale right now. And he he has to hope he gets the 130 for it, but I thought, why don't I? Why don't you just find the guy that'll give you one thirty and send him to me? Then instead of one ten or one twenty, I can get one thirty for it. But I don't that's know how a win works, Josh. That's just a win. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, look at the card. You got to get really good at deciding this is a seven or below right. this corner. Not only rough, but it's creased or something like that. But. And again, there's so many other factors. If it's Patrick Mahomes or if it's Ronald Acuna, tough luck, baby. 50 bucks yeah. is the bottom. I don't care if the corner's dinged. Right. It'll, if you don't buy it now, in 10 minutes, someone else will buy it because that price is fair. So there's always that too. Cool. But go off of the card pricing grading scale to figure that price out. But do you think it's fair that you buy a raw card at PSA eight price because raw card PSA eight sell for roughly raw. Well, you still got to send it and pay PSA to get it graded. So sometimes that's not always fair as well. Like, look, an eight sells for 40. So I'll do 40 on it. Well, I've got a raw card now for 40 and I still got to invest $20 in getting it graded. So that, that factors into it as well. Yeah. I mean, I've seen raw cards sell, 
more than a PSA nine. Well, yeah, what does it make hope, sense? Because you're selling, you're selling hope. You're selling yeah. the hope that it will gem. Yeah, so, we've all got eyeballs. We can look at a card and yeah. say, I can't find a flaw on this card. I shouldn't be paying PSA eight price or selling it for PSA eight price. And you just you use that in a good negotiation. Say, look, I've got it priced at like what a PSA nine would be. But look at the card. You're probably going to get a 10 on it if you want to take the time to grade it. Yeah. I sold a Mike Trout update rookie at the show. That was really, he showed me his in a PSA slab that was an eight. And it was, you could, I was like, you got lucky getting an eight in this. It, it was not great. And mine was like, you get someone on the wrong day, you're getting a 10 on this one. At worst case, you're getting a nine. And so he paid stronger for it because he's like, I said, look, the, the good shaped raw ones bring 300. I want 310 for this one. You're going to be able to grade this thing and do well with it. And we just, he really closely looked at it and said, I think you're right. I can't hardly find anything wrong with it. So that's a fair price. And so common sense and your own eyeballs come into play as well when you're trying to guess this stuff. Awesome. In my opinion, I'm wrong many times. So. So, from the vault or cards from the vault, do you have anything juicy from the Nashville show, Josh? No, but I did buy one Brady. I can throw that off. Yes. Um, I also, I do have some hits from the shop. We can blow my screen up and I'll do the phone thing. Yeah, absolutely. These are the ones that customers, customers have sent me from today. So, let me show this off first. I thought this was pretty cool. Um, this is Adam Hames or Hams. I'm going to screw that up. But um, this is Adam. He came into the shop today. He's a professional disc golfer. And he had, hard to see in the picture, two of his own cards. Um, he said they were produced by ProSet. Um, I'll try to show off. Yeah, it's going to be hard to see on the screen. But... Um, one was numbered to, I couldn't tell, but one, this one here, he was proud of. It was a one of one and he was wanting magnetic cases to put these cards in. Uh, and so then he subtly brought up the fact they were his cards. And then I looked at them and I was like, oh, he said, yeah, I'm a professional disc golfer. I thought, well, that was really cool. And so, um, cool. yeah. And he has a really artistically nice autograph. And I said, Thank you for having a good autograph, by the way. So many of these guys don't put <laughs> don't put their uh, their pride into these cards. Let's see. Yeah, you're, it's just you're not going to be able to see them. But so that was cool. That came in today. I had a couple customers send me um, some Allen and Ginter hits. This is DMC from Run. Oh, DMC. that's cool. So a customer hit that out of an Allen and Ginter box today. Um, also, this one, the mini framed Anthony Volpe auto. Came nice. from my customer. Um, we have this card came out of an Allen and Ginter, not out of a rip card. He got that the little stained glass uh, rookie Love for this. the there. Um, and he did hit a rip card. It was the Goose Goose Gossage number to ninety nine rip card. So we'll. I don't know what he's going to do with that one. You probably will know this. This is Dimaggio's mini framed autographed. Is that? Which DiMaggio is that? Do you know if that's like Joe DiMaggio's son or grandson? No clue. All right. Well, someone does out there and they'll be able to tell us in the comments. Michael Harris. It's hard to see, but a Michael Harris framed mini auto. Um, here's another one. I'm going to feel, I'm going to sound like an idiot. He's wearing a American zip up, but the last name is Curly. K-E-R-L-E-Y. And I didn't get to see the backs of any of these. So sometimes I'm assuming he's a soccer player or something. Um, an Adley Rutschman auto out of uh so there's a product called leaf something. It's got a Jersey. It's a big box. You get an autographed baseball Jersey. Yep. And I was under conception. Ah, no edit this. 
I was under the impression that the box came with a jersey and a buyback card, but it comes with a jersey and a leaf hobby box. And so you get the jersey in the hobby box, you might get something really cool in the hobby box. So his jersey was Juan Soto. I'm like, that's pretty sweet. And then it had a, a leaf valiant baseball box in it. And there was an Adley Rutschman auto oh, in that's that. That's cool. Now, is that jersey in that box autographed as well? Yes. Oh, yeah. that's nice. Yeah. I think we sell the boxes for 209. Yeah. You can autograph baseball jersey. His other jersey, he bought two of them. Juan Marichal was the other jersey. Mm-hmm. And Juan Soto. So I'm like, that's a couple of nice wands there. Yes. Customer saw me at the card show. Yes, in Nashville, saw me at the card show and said, I bought a box of 23 Bowman Chrome U from your shop the other day. And this is one of the autos I hit out of it. It's not huge, but that's Travis Hunter, the Colorado yeah. Buffalo wide receiver. He's a stud. and uh, But he had that card on him at the National. And I thought, well, that's really cool. So um, I say all that to say I bought one. I bought some lower end, like numbered Brady cards, you know, for like, 40 bucks for a little stack of them or whatever. This is the only one really nice one. It's an 08 Bowman Chrome uh, refractor. And it was, I think it, those are numbered to like 299 or something, but uh, just fell in love good. with that card. I yeah. love buying Brady cards of those older ones, especially if they're in good shape. So that was really outside of sealed product for the shop. The only, um, the only card card I bought. And here's a little hint of kind of the, the size of that show just from one little shot there. Oh yeah. It's a big, big, big show. Well, I have one card from the vault. I got this on eBay. Um, it's a soccer card. So if you could just stay awake for the next five seconds, Josh, I know it's a soccer card, but this is a player. Um, he's, he's, uh, just a spark plug for, uh, Barcelona. His name's Gavi. He's one of those soccer players where just doesn't even have a last name, right? It's just Gavi. So, but this is, uh, just an insert. Uh, I can't remember what the year, uh, that's a throwback to, but I just uh, love that gold lava out yeah, of the top cool. product and just with the glue and the gold and then the gold on his uniform, super sharp card, the back. I can't believe how well centered the card is on the front. It's just shocking how bad the centering in the back is, but mm. the front's just perfect. So it's not going to gem, um, but um, I, I, I am I'm thinking about getting that grade. I, I just wish I knew a group submitter that would take that card and not make fun of my soccer cards. So well, we'll gladly do it without any judgment on your cards. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, let's wrap things up uh, with Crazy Stat of the Week. But before you get into that, if you've made it this far, thank you. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment, leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. Josh, take us out with a Crazy Stat of the Week. My Crazy Stat is going to be, I'm going to say it to you in the form of a trivia question, let you make a couple guesses, and then uh, we'll, we'll reveal it. So, who was the last quarterback drafted first overall to win a Super Bowl with the team that drafted him? So think of a quarterback that was drafted number one overall, ended up winning a Super Bowl with that team. And if you, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers? I don't think Aaron was first overall. Was that Alex Smith then? was drafted before Aaron Rodgers. I think Alex Smith went first. I don't um first. That's a that's a not a bad guess. I'll give first you credit. Overall pick. I'll 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 hint I'll give you yeah, a give little give me an era. Hint. Give me an era. Um before Aaron Rodgers after like Steve Young era. I know Steve Young wasn't a number one pick, but like that era. So after Steve Young, before, how about this? I'll narrow it down. After Steve Young era and before Tom Brady era. So in the 90s. Or I could even be nicer and say 
not long before Brady. Was that Jim McMahon? He was in the eighties, bro. Yeah. Oh, young was nineties. Sorry. Um, in the two thousands then. So Brady was two thousand. This would be right before Brady. Give me a division. Uh, AFC. Let me see if I can give give me. Can you give me a team color? White and blue. How about this hint? Famously large forehead. You'll kick yourself when you hear it. The people in the comments, if this were live, they'd be chewing they'd be you roasting up. Roasting me. Spitting Who? You out. Peyton Manning. Oh. <laughs> I know. I knew you'd have that reaction. So yeah, Peyton Manning was the last quarterback drafted first overall to win a Super Bowl with the team that drafted him. I mean, and that's not that crazy because a lot of the number one picks in the last decade have been pretty disappointing. It just goes to show you that's a hard job. And it's even harder when you're running for your life. And usually number one quarterbacks are running for their lives. Yeah. Number one quarterbacks are going to the worst team in the league most often than not. And to take that team from worst to a Super Bowl within your career, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty notable. So, all right, Josh. Well, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, like I said, pencil in the 17th of November for card night. I'll make sure the gym is available. We'll make sure employees and families are available. Um, come see us this weekend for Pokemon. If you're, uh, if you're into that and, uh, thanks for listening. All right, Josh. Thank you. Always good spending some time with you, Jacob. Thank you for producing and we'll see you guys next week.